Hello. You feel good? Tell your neighbor at every campus right now, tell your neighbor, say, you look good. Tell them with some, with some, some sincerity. Say, you look good. Are you single? Are you single? Welcome to Red Rocks Church. We're so glad to have you with us. We're, uh, we're happy that you're here no matter what campus you're at. I want to say hello to Littleton, Lakewood, Arvada, both God Behind Bars campuses. We love you men and women like crazy. We're so glad we get to do church with you today. If you were here last week, you know that Chad did an amazing job of kicking off this series called Once Upon a Time, right? Talking about relationships. If you are in a relationship, you've got to be here for every week of this series, Once Upon a Time. If you wish you were in a relationship, if you're in a relationship and kind of wish you weren't, you need to be here too, all right? This is an amazing series. Um, Chad's on fire right now. He cut the man bun. He's more aerodynamic than ever. Like, he's in it right now, okay? So don't miss next week. Um, we're going to get back into this series, uh, but you're going to have to give me some grace. I know some of you are here because you heard we're in the relationship series. Very rarely, but every once in a while, we take a time out in the middle of a series. We sort of take a pause uh, because something's going on in the world, in the country, within our church, whatever it is that we sort of feel like is timely to talk about. And so that's what we're going to be doing today. So Make sure you're here next week as Chad um, hits week two of Once Upon a Time as we continue to talk relationships. But there is some stuff going on in the church, and honestly, it's worth celebrating, but it does uh, sort of bring up some topics that we want to cover. If you've been around for the past few weeks, you know that, I mean, God has just been doing amazing things. Um, uh, over 20,000 people came to one of our Easter services over Easter weekend. Is that crazy? And if you, if you were here last week, especially during one of the morning services, there's a good chance that you sat on a floor, sat in a lobby, stood around the sanctuary, got stuck in a parking lot. I mean, it's been getting crazy. Arvada, let me just say something to you. Arvada, you deserve better, okay? I know you guys are sitting in the lobby over there. You're walking through mud on Easter Sunday. Like, it's crazy in Arvada, okay? Let me just tell you something, though, church. It's worth it. It's worth it. Listen to this. Just since January, just in the last three months, and I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to ask you at every single campus to celebrate this. Just in the last three months, 1,410 people have said, I want to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> Guys, it's worth it. Because of what's been going on, we thought this was a really good time to take a pause in this series and talk about a few things, and, and you'll understand here in just a little bit. So we're going to interrupt our regularly scheduled programming, all right? And we're going to do so with a verse um, that actually is all about uh, an interruption, all right? So you can read along with me. The words will be on the screen, Matthew 4, 18 through 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee... He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Just some ordinary guys, unschooled, ordinary they weren't even like 
good enough to be a part of like spiritual training. Um, they, they, if, you, if you study the, the schooling system, they'd already been sort of rejected from all that. That's why they're working back home with their dad. They're doing the family business, which is fishing, just some ordinary guys fishing with dad at work. Jesus comes along and says, I'm going to interrupt your plans for the day. And I'm going to ask you a game changing question. Will you follow me? And he says, if you will follow me, then I will. And he says, I'm going to I'm going to make you fishers of men. And what these guys would later know as they look back on their life, Jesus was talking about a lot more than just that. What he was really saying is, if you'll follow me, I'm about to change everything. I'm about to change the way you think, the way you feel, the way you do life, the path you're on. I'm going to change your finances. I'm going to change your relationships. I'm going to change where you're headed, your destination. I'm going to change everything in your life if you'll follow me. Everything hinged on the answer to that question. And I believe that that's the exact question that God wants to ask every single one of us today. Will you follow me? Some of you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You came here because the person next to you is kind of hot and single. (laughs) And I get it. But let me just tell you something. A couple thousand years ago, Jesus came to this world, he led a sinless life, and he allowed himself to be sacrificed, to be murdered, to pay the price for our sins, and every single one of us, we have them, to pay the price for our sins so that not only could we experience his power in our lives today, but so that we could go to heaven forever and be with God. And today, he's asking you, will you follow me? But let me just tell you this, church people, he's talking to us. He's talking to every single one of us. Maybe you're one of the 1,410 people who have recently put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've put your faith in Jesus a long time ago. Maybe you just started coming to church. Maybe you've been going to church your whole life. I believe God wants to say the exact same thing to us today. Will you follow me today? Not just do you believe in me, but will you follow me? There's a difference. There's a Grand Canyon in the middle of those two statements worth a difference. There's a huge difference between I believe, I know that Jesus is the Son of God, I believe that He is the Son of God, versus I actually follow Him with my life. There's a difference. And it's a game-changing decision when you decide to actually follow Him. But there is a difference. I was reminded of the difference this past week. My seven-year-old son has recently started playing baseball, and I'm pretty sure I'm more excited than he is. I grew up playing baseball. I love baseball. My son started playing well. I went to practice this week, and the coach sort of throws out this, this, this parental gauntlet, and, and he sort of asks for some of the, the parents to get involved, and he did so in sort of a way of like, you know, if you love your child, you'll come out here and help me, that kind of thing. Well, he didn't have to do that for me because I was very eager to get out there and help, right? Because I feel like I got some things to offer. I played a lot of baseball growing up and I'm excited now. I'm going to, I'm going to be sort of assistant coach in my mind. I just became assistant coach. All right. That's what just happened. And so, so I get, so there's, there's stations, there's like a hitting on a tee and then there's a coach pitch and then there's a hitting some heavy balls. And then I got the infield. So my vector was between first base and second base. And I was going to teach these kids how to field ground balls. Well, I couldn't wait. I got a lot to say. I've been waiting for a moment like this, right? 
he didn't trust me a lot. He trusted me a little. He gave me three kids. I got three kids worth of influence, okay? So he sends me these three kids, and, and, and as they're starting to, to walk towards me, I'm already getting excited, and I'm already starting to, hey, guys, here's what we're going to be doing. You're going to be over there on second. Now, what I want you to do, I want you to get your butt down. I want you to get that mitt on the ground. I want you to come up ready. I want you to make an accurate, strong throw to first base. Are you with me, kids? Two of the boys kind of paid attention to me. One of them, we're going to call him Andy. His name's not Andy, but we're going to call him Andy. I'm literally talking with passion about ground balls, and he, he looks at me like this, and he goes, Oh, no, you did not, Andy. Because I've only been given a little bit of influence, but I know this is a biblical principle. This is a test. And if I'm faithful with a little, the coach will give me a lot. And you're not going to mess up my drill. I'm going to be faithful with a little. I said, Andy, come here, buddy. I'm going to teach you how to field a ground ball. He goes, I want to play pitcher. Okay, Andy, I understand you want to play pitcher. Come here, bud. Come here. I understand. That's not my decision. Um, Right now, we're going to work on ground ball. He goes, I want to play pitcher. Okay, Andy. Coach is watching. Now, just pretend you're listening to me for a second. I'm trying to tell him how to field a ground ball. Andy takes his glove, and he just puts it over the face of the smaller child next to him, and he just starts making a noise. He just goes, while I'm talking, he just goes, Aah. I don't know what he's doing. Aah. What is that? In the greatest movie ever made, Dumb and Dumber, Jim Carrey says, I'm going to show you the most annoying sound in the world, right? This kid's a close second. So I'm trying to teach him how to field a, field a ground ball, and he's got his glove like over the ca- I don't know what he's doing and I'm honestly like can I touch this child like I don't know what the rules are you know what I'm saying like I'm not technically a coach and are his parents here I don't know are they paying attention is dad a big old boy I don't know what I can and can't do but my vectors being messed with I can tell you that I finally get the kids lined up I start throwing ground balls first two kids not what I showed them to do, but we're not going to get into that. I throw the next ground ball, and I look up. Andy has now got his back turned to me, sitting on the ground, just heaping piles of sand on second base. And I just remembered, I don't like anyone else's seven-year-old. My, my whole plan is being messed with, but here's what I was reminded. They, they knew, Andy knew that I had been handed the baton of authority. I was in charge of that area at that time. He was supposed to be paying attention to me. Knowing that and following me, two entirely different things, right? That's how it is with us and God if we're not careful. We get all fired up and talk about how we believe that Jesus is the son of God and we put our faith in him and that right there, that's where salvation takes place and we're on our way to heaven. But knowing who Jesus is and actually following him on a daily basis, these are different things. Let me give you a few examples. You can say, Jesus, I I know you're the son of God. But when it comes to my relationships, I'm gonna do those my way. I'm not going to actually follow you with those. Like, I know that you're real big on forgiveness. I'm supposed to forgive my enemies. I'm supposed to forgive the people who have hurt me. Because you've forgiven me, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to extend that, even if they haven't deserved it, even if they haven't earned it, even if they haven't asked for it. I know you're the son of God, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to follow you in that specific part of my life because you don't understand what this person did and you don't understand what happened and truth be told I'm just not done silently punishing them yet so I know I know who you are 
I'm just not going to follow you with that part of my life. I know who you are, but I'm not going to stay pure until marriage. I know who you are, but I'm not going to put my spouse above me in this relationship. I'm not going to treat my wife like the bride of Christ and put her dreams above mine and then try to outserve her and outlove her and make it more about her and less about me. I'm just not. I'm not. I know you're the son of God. I'm just not going to follow you when it comes to certain things in my life. I know you're the son of God. I'm just not going to actually handle my money the way you tell me to. I'm just not. 10% coming back to the local church. Oh, I know you're going to take care of the church and you're going to pour out a blessing so much that I won't be able to handle it. And you're so serious. You said, test me. And then Jesus comes along and backs it up. I know. And I got all kinds of good reasons why, but I'm not actually going to live that way. I'm just not. I know who you are. I know you're the son of God. But my money, see, that's a whole different deal. I'm just not going to follow you there. It's just not a good time. I got debt and I got the things and the thing. It's not, it just doesn't line up right now. Someday, maybe, okay? Or I actually make a lot. 10% of what I make? Serious? Come on, that's crazy talk. I know who you are. I'm just not going to actually follow you with this part. I know who you are, and I know in my heart you're calling me down career path A, but I'll be honest with you, I'm looking down that road, and it's scary, and I don't have a clue how that would turn out, and there's definitely not as much money as B, so I'm going this way. We could do this all day, right? And, and we all know, because this is where we live, and, and, and we dance, and we try and, God, I love you, and I know who you are, and I want to follow you, and here's what I'm willing, and here's what I have given you, but here's what I haven't given you, and here's what I'm still holding on to, and here. We know what that's like, don't we? The question of the day is, are you following? I believe that's what Jesus wants to say to every single one of us today. Will you follow me? Whether you don't have a relationship with him or maybe you have your entire life. And, and honestly, the truth is, we know the truth, right? I know if I'm not, you know if you're not. Obviously, Jesus knows, and he doesn't play games. We play games with this stuff. We try to do like, we try and twist things around and look at things from a different angle and try and, that's why I really do that. I know what the Bible says, but this is why I, my situation's different, and here's what I, right? But Jesus says, no, 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 I don't, I don't play around like that. Luke six forty six. why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? He, he doesn't play around. John 14, 15, if you love me, will keep my commands. See, Jesus said, there's a difference between you know who I am and then you actually follow me. Don't tell me you want to play pitcher while you're sitting on second base making sandcastles. Don't tell me about your career dreams and financial dreams and relational dreams and I can't get you to follow me today. Don't call me Lord, Lord, if you're not going to actually follow. He doesn't mess around, does he? And see, I think that he would say the exact same thing to every single one of us that he said to these guys that he first called to be his disciples. If you'll follow me, the power is in the following. The, that's where the miraculous takes place. That's where the life change happens. If you'll follow me, then I will start to change everything. 
And I want to spend just a few minutes today because of, in light of what's been going on around the church, talking about one of the very first opportunities we have to obey after we put our faith in Christ. Watch this, Matthew 28, 19. This is Jesus talking. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And what happens next? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This may be new news to some of you. This may not be new news to some of you. But the very first opportunity you and I have to actually follow Jesus after we put our faith in him, the very first opportunity we have of being obedient is baptism. Do you know that? If you are a Christ follower, you have been commanded to be baptized. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized every one of you. The 1,410 of you who have put your faith in Jesus in the last three months, that's for you. Christian, whether you've been a Christian for three months or three years or 30 plus years, this is for you. We're going to have a baptism service next month, which is why we wanted to take a pause on our teaching series and make sure we covered this this weekend. Before you leave, no matter what campus you're at, you can sign up in the lobby to get baptized next month. Or if you want to skip the lines, you can just download the Red Rocks Church app on your phone. On the bottom page of the front uh, home, home screen on that app, there's a baptism button. You can sign up for baptism right on your phone. So as, as I'm talking, if I see your face glowing, I'm going to pretend you're not checking scores on something. I'm just going to tell myself they're signing up for baptism. They're so spiritual. Me saying, though, that that's the first opportunity we have to be obedient, right, is to, to, to be baptized. For a bunch of you, you've heard of baptism. You've even seen baptisms. I know for some of you, though, that'll bring up a whole bunch of questions. And so I want to I answer a few of those questions. I want to give you a little bit of information about baptism real quick, and then we're going to get back to where we started. Go ahead and put that slide up. Baptism is the first act of obedience after salvation, it's going public with our faith. It's symbolic of becoming a new person, and it is absolutely life-changing. Baptism is the first act of obedience after salvation. Let's reread what the Apostle Paul, uh, 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 sorry, let's reread Acts 2.38, not the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, too many P words. Peter replied, repent and be baptized if your Aunt Jenny can make the service. Oh, wait, that's not what it says, is it? <clears throat> Repent and be baptized if you're comfortable with it. Repent and be, no. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. This is not a suggestion. It's a command, isn't it? We're commanded. But notice that we're commanded to do so after salvation. Our salvation is not determined by baptism. It's important that you know that. You're not saved because you get baptized. You're not unsaved because you don't get baptized. We receive salvation by putting our faith in Jesus, and that's it. 
It's that simple. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's it. We just say, Jesus, I want to put my faith in you. That's where we receive salvation. Baptism is what happens after salvation, right? Which is why at Red Rocks Church, we don't baptize babies. And I know that will be a question. We don't baptize babies. We dedicate our children, but we don't baptize babies. And the reason we don't is because What's it say? Repent and be baptized, right? Babies can't repent. They should. <laughs> God knows they should. But they can't. There's not one baby that gets baptized in the Bible. Do you know that? Not once. Not one time is a baby ever baptized in Scripture. Every single person that's baptized in Scripture is of age to say, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ, and now because of that choice, I'm going to be obedient and get baptized. That's why we don't baptize babies. Now, I know some of you will be saying, well, I was baptized as a baby, right? What's that mean for me? That means somebody loved you, somebody cared about you, probably as part of a faith tradition, had you baptized, right, in hopes that somehow that was going to help you connect with Jesus. And so my challenge to you would be, if that describes you, then get baptized as an adult when it's your decision. Get baptized when you get to be the one that says, no, this is about my faith. Because I can promise you when you were baptized as a baby, you didn't have much to do with it right? So get baptized when it is your call, when it means something to you. And I don't think that dishonors someone who had you baptized as an infant. Because think about it. Why, why, do, why would someone have a baby baptized? Probably because it's their faith tradition. But the whole hope, I guarantee, was something along the lines of, we hope this helps this, this infant connect with Jesus, to have a life with Jesus, to be connected with God, Right? I don't think you're doing them a disservice or, or dishonoring them. I think it's the opposite. I think you're honoring what they were hoping would happen in your life. I think you're honoring that by saying, now I'm an adult and I'm going to choose to follow Jesus because it's my decision. And so now I'm going to get baptized to be obedient to Christ as part of my decision. That's a whole new deal right there. And understand this. Last thing I'll say and we'll move on to the next point. Baptism isn't for good people. Is for saved people. See, I know, I, know, I know what you think sometimes because I, I remember thinking the same thing, right? And it was like, man, I'm not ready for this. Like, I'm not ready for baptism. I still got all kinds of problems. I remember someone was saying, like, you should get baptized. I'm like, whoa, uh-uh. I'm not there yet. I don't even raise my hands during music yet, right? I'll let the raise your hands during music. I'll let those people get baptized, but I'm not there yet. I'm baby-stepping this deal. You know what I'm saying? One of my friends one time was like, hey, I was at your church today, and there was a girl in front of me doing this. Like, what's going on here? Is that a field goal? I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> Baptism isn't for people who have figured it out. Baptism isn't when you say, oh, I'm perfect now. I'm, I'm set now. Now I got it all figured out. Now I have all the answers. Now I don't sin anymore. I'm ready to roll. No, no, no. Listen, Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he forgives us of all of our sins in the past and makes us absolutely perfect in his sight. Good people don't get baptized. Saved people get baptized. 
You don't have to figure life out and figure God out and get your act together before you're obedient. Baptism's the first act of obedience after salvation. Going public, baptism is going public with our faith. It's how we tell the world we're with Jesus. And I used to say it was kind of like a wedding ceremony, but then I realized that no guy would ever want to get baptized. <laughs> it's slow, it's, it's boiling, it's boiling, I get it. <laughs> it's, kind of like, it's kind of like that. A lot of people say, you know, baptism's kind of like a wedding ring, right? It doesn't, this doesn't make me married, it just shows the world that I am. Baptism doesn't make you saved, it just shows the world that you are. You can go down, depending on where you live, you can go down to the courthouse and just get a marriage license and sign it. In a lot of places, you're married. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you've had a wedding ceremony, you know that it's different. It does something different to you. It's special in a different way. To stand before your friends and your family and your God and publicly say, I am with this person for life. I love this person. There's something different about that. And God knows there's something special when we publicly say, I'm with Jesus. Something special happens in our heart. Galatians 3.27, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. It's how you identify our, yourself with Jesus. You're not saying I'm perfect. You're not saying I'm super spiritual now and I got it all figured out. No, you're saying I've put my faith in Jesus and to the best of my ability, I'm with him. That's it. That's what you're doing with baptism. Something special happens inside of us when we go public with our faith in that way. Baptism is the first act of obedience after salvation. It's going public with our faith, and it is symbolic of becoming a brand new person. I love the way the message paraphrase, paraphrase says this, Romans 6.3. This is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's an amazing thing to celebrate right there, isn't it? See, that's what baptism's all about. It's symbolic. It represents that old you being washed away, being clean being taken care of, being put to death, being put in the past. As many of you know, um, I have three boys and, and they're all in sports. And so as a part-time job, I go to sporting events, youth sports, practices, run some of the practices here and there, you know, no big deal. This week I was at a basketball game uh, tournament for Ethan. And so the whole family was there. And so it was Jill and Austin and Ashton and we're all watching. And I sit above, I, sit, I was sitting one row up. I need to be able to project above. I need to be able to project above in case the referees need some help. And so <clears throat> I'm just here to, you know, I'm offering my services. And so um, I'm passionately watching the game and there was like a timeout. And so everyone on the, on the stands was kind of quiet. And um, one of my children wanted to get the other one in trouble, and he's literally sitting next to his mother. Like, all he had to do is go, hey, mom, guess what? For some reason, it needed to be yelled. It needed to be proclaimed what had happened, right? And they're both playing video games. Like, they're not even looking. They're children today. There's no eye contact. There's no conversation. Just video game, video game. And then he just yells at his mother, who's sitting six inches from him. And Austin goes, Austin goes, mom. Ashton picked up gum off the floor under the bleachers and chewing it. 
Ashton doesn't even look up from his game to defend himself. He just goes, it was clean. (laughs) No, son, it wasn't clean. You found it on the floor under the bleachers at Chatfield High School. It wasn't clean. And I can feel the parents. I can feel their judgment. Oh, that's how you two parent, huh? I see what's going on. And I wanted to literally stand up and go, look, if he said it's clean, I believe him. <laughs> it's clean. Kids got issues. <laughs> Maybe I'm the one with issues because I literally heard the whole thing. and was like, eh. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I got to talk to the ref about that call he missed. So <laughs> baptism, though, that's what it represents. The old you goes under and everything's washed away. Everything's made clean. Everything's put to death. Everything's in the past. And you come up out of the water, a brand new creation in Christ. That's what you're celebrating when you get baptized. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Something very special takes place in your heart when you go through this symbolic act that Jesus commanded us to go through. Baptism is the first act of obedience after salvation. It's going public with our faith. It's symbolic of becoming a new person, and it is life-changing. And the water is, is very special to us. Um, in fact, there are, uh, there are organizations around the country that, that help outfit churches with things they need. You can get communion supplies there and you know, church chairs and podiums like this and all kinds of stuff. And they even have a very special hose that, that's used to transport the water to the baptismal. And so we'll take, I like to call it the holy hose. And so we take the holy hose and we, we take it to the sink and we anoint the, the, the cold and the hot, both handles we anoint with, with oil and we turn them simultaneously and Chad sings Hosanna. Some of you were like, I didn't know there was a holy hose. That's fantastic. There's nothing special about the water. Denver tap. There's nothing special about the hot tubs that we roll in there, the pools that we construct in there. There's nothing special about the buildings or the floors or anything else. What's special is when we put our faith and our obedience into action. And we follow the commands of Jesus. The power that raised him from the dead becomes part of us, it gets involved with us. The power of God intersects with our faith and our obedience and that's what's special. And anybody that's been baptized will tell you it's special in a way that I can't really quite describe because it's us being obedient to what God's calling us to. And that, in and of itself, is game-changing. See, it's the following that changes everything. Think about the Apostle Peter. Like I said, unschooled, ordinary guy. He couldn't even, he didn't even have what it takes to get into the whole system that, that creates spiritual leaders. He didn't have it. So he's just home fishing with dad, doing the family business. And Jesus comes along and interrupts what they thought was going to be another ordinary day. And he asks this game-changing question, will you follow me? And because this ordinary guy on an ordinary day said, yes, it changed everything. I mean, we know the story of Peter. If you've been in church for a while, you've heard a lot about him. He, he gets most of the airtime for the disciples. 
He had a lot, a lot of, he's like us, had a lot of highs, a lot of lows, a lot of good days, a lot of bad days, said things he shouldn't have, done things he shouldn't have. He denied knowing Jesus the night he was arrested, went through such guilt and shame that he just walked away from it all. Like, I get this guy, right? We understand what it's like to have the, the highs and the lows and the I believe and I don't know if I even believe and I'm a mess and I feel good. We know. But because he just said, yes, I'll follow you, he steps up one day and God uses him to give the very first sermon about the resurrected Jesus Christ. 3,000 people get saved that day. People start getting baptized by the thousands. It starts the church, which goes global. And today, billions, with a B, billions of people believe that Jesus Christ came back from the dead and that he is the one and only son of the one and only living God. And it all is a domino effect from this ordinary guy that God used in miraculous ways, all because he said, I'll follow. Which is why I believe he wants to say to every single one of us today, will you follow? Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. But right now, Something's going on in your, in your heart. You can feel it. It's the creator of the universe tapping you on the shoulder saying, it's your day. I know you don't understand it all, and I know you don't how, know how this is going to play out, but will you put your faith in me? Will you follow me? Because if you will, I'll change everything, especially your eternity. Will you follow? And maybe for some of you, you've already put your faith in Christ but you haven't been baptized yet. Maybe you didn't know you were supposed to. Maybe you've just been putting it off. Maybe you didn't understand the significance. And I believe to you, Jesus is saying the same thing. Will you follow? Will you take that first step of obedience and watch what a game changer it is? Will you follow? And I think he's saying to a whole bunch of us at all our locations, what about that one area of your life? that you just won't let go of, that you've just been holding on to. Maybe it's a part of your life and you wish it wasn't. Maybe it's one of those things you've just been holding on to because you've just been scared to trust with that one thing. Would you let go? Would you let me be God? Would you let me take you where you've never been before? Would you follow? Band, you can come up. Last year, my family was, was on vacation and we went to the beach one day. And we went to the beach, and uh, we started playing in the waves. And it was me and Jill and the two older boys, Ethan and Austin. And we're playing in the waves, and I'm throwing the boys, and we're doing, you know, a diving under. We're trying to surf on the waves. We're just having fun. And I look back up at the shore, and my seven-year-old son, Ashton, he was just like barely letting the water come and hit his feet. And he was just kind of standing there like this. And as a dad, I'm like, I want him to come experience this. Like, I know he's going to love this. <clears throat> I know this kid. I know what he likes. He's going to love this, but he's missing out. He's missing out because he's just scared. He's scared of the unknown, right? He's just never played in waves like this before. We don't have a lot of ocean experience in Denver. <laughs> Nobody has to ever teach us to be afraid of the unknown. That comes naturally. And so I'm like, Ash, come out, here and, come out here and play with us. So I came up there and I said, 
but are, are, are you scared? He said, mm-hmm. And I said, bud, you got you to come get in here. You're going to love this. He goes, no, dad. I said, listen, you can, you can hold on to me. You can get on my back. You can get on my neck. We can hold hands. Like, I'm not going to leave you. I'll be right there with you the whole time. I won't let go. Mm-mm, can't. So we sat down on a chair, and I literally start begging. I'm like, bud. I started going back to, like, the basics. Like, you know I love you, right? <laughs> you know I would never do anything to hurt you. You know that, right? But come out in the water with me. Just just. Just walk with me. And, and I start begging him. And finally he goes, all right, but I'm staying on your back. I said, all right. And he got on, and I mean he put a death grip around my neck. But we went out into the water, slowly but surely, and pretty soon we're bouncing, and the waves are coming in. And then we started, and then we started doing what we, what we call the dolphin. And so now I'm going underwater, and he's holding on. I'm going underwater. He's holding on. We're doo, doo, doo. And like, it felt like like an hour went by. It's probably like six minutes, right? Because I'm just old, okay? But I was tired. And I was like, okay, boys, we've been out here for like an hour. Like, whew, I'm beat. Let's go rest for a minute. Ashton won't let loose my back, but he's like, "Uh uh-uh, we're not going anywhere. Now, right, he doesn't want to leave. He wants to keep playing. And so I grabbed him and and I pulled him around front and I made eye contact with him. And I said, I said, you're loving this now, aren't you? He said, yep, I am. I can't help but think that's us and God sometimes. And look, um, I'm nobody special. I'm probably more messed up than most of you. I, I know that I don't have all the answers. I know that I don't know anything. I know that I'm not even close to perfect, all right? I'm not trying to say that at all. But there's a few things now like, I've spent some time now trying to follow God, right? Going through the highs and the lows. And there's some things now where I feel like, I feel like um, every now and then I look at my life and I look at how just crazy blessed we are. And I feel like every now and then God looks at me and he goes, you're loving this now, aren't you? Because I remember, I remember sitting in a church service one day with cocaine in my pocket I had just wanted to kill myself the week before and my heart's beating out of my chest because the creator of the universe was calling me and he was saying to me that day, will you follow? And I was scared to death and I didn't know what that even meant. I didn't know how it would play out and I was sure I could never measure up. But I remember going, okay, I'm in, I'll follow. And I look at what's happened since then. I feel like every now and then God just goes, you're loving this now, aren't you? I remember if I had any artistic skills, I could paint a picture of the room I was in the day I started praying that God would bring the right Christian girl into my life because I'd never dated in 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 a good way, in a biblical way. And I remember the day God said, you don't need a girl, you need me right now. But when you do start dating, it's gonna look different. And I remember that day I said, okay, God, I'll do it different. I don't even know how that works. I'll do it different. I'll do it your way. And honestly, I look at my amazing wife And I look at my kids sometimes and I feel like God's just going, you're loving this now, aren't you? I remember the day. I remember exactly where I was when I wrote in my journal, I think God's asking me to change career plans. I think he's calling me to start a church. And I remember saying, with Chad? (laughs) 
I was scared to death. And I was scared to tell my wife. I was scared to death. And guys, this week, like I made a video for social media begging people to go to different services because we can't fit people in our church buildings right now. And I feel like you know, God's going, you're loving this now, aren't you? Listen, but for all of us, there has to be that day. There has to be that moment where God gets to look at you and say, will you follow? Like for real? And you say, yeah, I don't know how it's going to work out. And I am scared to death, but I'm in, let's go. So that one day you and God can have this moment where he gets to look at you and go, see, you're loving this now, aren't you? He's a loving father. He doesn't want anything from you. He's not trying to trick you. He's not trying to manipulate you. He doesn't want to take away the good, fun parts of your life. He wants you to do things his way so he can make it perfect and give it back. He wants you to have life to the fullest. In Red Rocks Church, there's one thing I know, it's this, is life to the fullest is found in the following. That's what he wants for all of us. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for everything that you've done for every single one of us. I thank you so much for what your son has already done for me. I pray you would help me follow. I pray you would give us the courage to let go of some things, to finally trust you with some things, to say yes to you. And I thank you, God, ahead of time for the plans that you have for us and where you want to take us. With everyone's eyes closed, I want to ask a couple questions, give you a chance to respond. The first is this, you already have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you know that he's, he's tapping you on the shoulder today about a very specific area. And maybe it's something that you wish wasn't in your life and you can't seem to get rid of. Maybe it's something that you've just kept holding on to because you just, you haven't had what it takes to trust him fully with it yet, whatever it is. And today you say, okay, God, would you give me the courage to say yes and start following you, even with that area? If that's you, raise your hand right now. I'm just gonna say a prayer for you. Yeah, I'm with you. Second question is this, you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, but you know right now he's calling you. When I talked about Jesus dying on a cross to pay the price for your sins, your spirit resonated with that. God's given you the ability to already start to believe that, to put your faith there. And right now, you know, like, this is my time. I need to ask him to forgive me of my sins. I need to put my faith in Jesus, not just so his spirit gets in, 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 involved in my life right now, but because I also most importantly want heaven forever with him. If that's you and you know this is your time to make that decision, right now, put your hand in the air. I'm gonna say a prayer for you at all campuses. Keep them up, put them up high. Be proud of this decision. God behind bars, put them up high. God, you knew exactly why we needed to hear this. You know everything that we're dealing with, everything that's going on. And most importantly, you know where you want us to be. You know where you want to take us. You know the plans you have for us. And so God, I pray right now, first off, that you would help us to start to surrender in some tough areas. Give us the courage to say, yes, I'll follow. 
And God, I thank you for the eternal lives that are being changed right now. I thank you so much on their behalf. We love you and it is our absolute honor now to worship you with music. In Jesus' name, amen. Red Rocks Church, can you stand up at all our locations? We're going to worship. But as you're standing up, can you make some noise because eternal lives are being changed right now? Never gets old. Let's worship.